Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. scripture this morning, I would call your eyes to Isaiah in the 25th chapter. If you have a Bible in front of you, and you should, if you have a Bible in front of you, turn to that. Isaiah 25. 
And in the first five verses, it says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done marvelous things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. You silence the uproar of foreigners. As heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is stilled. You know, Isaiah puts this in front of us today to remind us of the faithfulness of God. If you're looking for something that is solid, you mean people are going to let you down from time to time. Your car might let you down from time to time. Your furnace might let you down from time to time. Okay? But God will never, ever fail you, my friends. Let's worship together.
blessing it is to, um, to just be a part of what God is doing in this day and in this age. That song kind of pulls together um, um, the Old Testament, what the Lord was doing there, and shows how we are still fulfilling that mission God has given to us. Um, I do want to mention that my wife, Chris, is here this morning. She's been out for a while, and I'll be in trouble for that later. Um, but it's good to have her back worshiping with us. And all of you, there may be others who are back, haven't been gone for a while. It's wonderful to have you here. We do have a special guest this, this morning. Uh, yesterday for our Bible workshop, we had uh, Linda Himes here, and she taught us, using the inductive method, about the covenant, about how the covenant way back in the book of Genesis um, is still the basis for what God is doing with his people today. And it was a very inspiring and um, illuminating experience. And I'm sure this, this morning during our service as she speaks, she will also once again open our eyes to see God perhaps in a new light. Uh, Linda is the Stewardship and Biblical Ministries Consultant at Territorial Headquarters. Big title. But it, it really means that her focus is on the Word of God the stewardship of that word, also our stewardship as um, folks who give our time and talents and treasures to the work of the Lord through the Salvation Army. So I just uh, hope that uh, you will receive a blessing this morning, and I know those of us who attended yesterday already did. So God bless you. Have a wonderful time of worship. I have nothing else to say. Lord bless you. <laughs>
Good morning. Oh, you are awake. Great. First thing I need to do is apologize to any of you who were upset about the rain yesterday. Anybody upset about the rain all day on a Saturday? I'm sorry. I did pray for that um, because I knew that we were going to be inside all day on Saturday, and I, if it was sunny and blue skies like we've all been so anxious for, then I would be distracted from teaching. So um, it was nice to just have the rain and we could concentrate on the word. But it's okay now if we have sunshine. Okay? How many of you have ever been to a victory banquet? A few, yes, okay. Well, you know, in order to have a victory banquet, you have to have beaten some opponents, right? Well, this last week, there was uh, an event that took place in this country that a lot of people were excited about. And as you see from our first slide, I'm talking about the uh, basketball tournament, March Madness, the road to the Final Four. And Monday night, Kansas beat who? Memphis. Okay, some people were there watching, not there watching, but watching. So Kansas beat Memphis, and this is the coach of the Kansas team, the Kansas Jayhawks, and obviously a very excited fan because they won. Uh, They are the national champions for the men's college basketball. Now, to be fair, on Tuesday night, the girls played. Okay, and as the next slide will show you, Tennessee won, the Lady Vols won, and they beat Stanford, and there's their coach and their team, very excited, very excited. Now, in those two cities, in, in, the, in those two campuses last week, there was a victory celebration because they had beaten many opponents on the road to this championship. So they celebrated big time. Today, that I want to talk about the victory celebration that will take place at the end of this tournament that we call life. Uh, because there will be a final round, and there will be a, cha- a victory celebration at the end. It has not happened yet, but it's something that we can look forward to. From the, from the very beginning, from Genesis, in chapter 3, when the serpent entered the garden and tempted Eve, and she ate and shared with her husband, and sin entered the world, All of mankind has been involved in this fight, this struggle between good and evil. Right? Right. Thank you. In the days of Noah, what happened? By the time we got to Noah, it was so wicked and evil that God said, I am sorry that I even made man, and I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood, yes. But Noah found favor. Noah and his family were ushered into the ark, the doors were shut, and God brought on the waters and destroyed everything and started over. He saved the righteous Noah. Things started out good again. Okay, then God called Abraham, and Abraham was the beginning of God's chosen people. And God told them how to live and and what they were supposed to do. And he said, I'm going to give you this land. And when you go in there, you're going to have to fight the enemy. You're going to have to clear the land out. So when Abraham and all the children of Israel went into the land, there were many, many enemies. All the ites, 
you know, the Canaanites and the Hittites and the, not the Levites, they were the good guys, but all of these enemies and the opponents, and they had to fight and they had to destroy them because they worshipped other gods. And that was always the issue. God said, you will only worship me. I'm the only God. And they would go in and they would fight, and then they would start mixing with the, with the opposing team. And so there was always this struggle between good and evil. The nation of Israel today, are they fighting opponents still? Yes. They're fighting basically the same opponents. There's still this struggle for the one true God, this struggle against good and evil. We as Christians, do we fight? Do we fight against wickedness? Do you live in a perfect world? No. Where do you find wickedness? Everywhere. If I say Hollywood, okay, can you think of some wickedness going on there? Some evil? Yeah, you could probably give some names. Um, if I say politics, hmm. If I say Detroit, mayor, you know, yeah, yeah. So there's a whole list, not to mention all that's going on in the big race, you know. If I say sports, yeah, we're in this controversy now about steroids and the cheating and all the deception. So there's all of this evil and wickedness that surrounds us. Um, We see it on the streets. We see it in our schools. We see it in our churches. We see it everywhere. So this is a constant battle against evil. But what I can tell you is that um, it's going to end. You know, some opponents, some opponents, um, Miriam, you can put the other slide up, the next one, just to get Tennessee off the screen. Um, some opponents are pretty evenly matched. Kansas, when they played Memphis, it was a battle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and went into overtime. And finally, Kansas beat them because they were very evenly matched, and it was just who was going to be standing at the end. With Tennessee and Stanford, it wasn't, there was never really a question that Tennessee was going to win. They were pretty much ahead of Stanford for the whole game. Not so evenly matched. Some teams annihilate their opponents. Unfortunately, the Tigers are kind of in that situation right now, aren't they? They're kind of being annihilated. I want you to know, though, that Dan Bell is proudly wearing his Detroit Tigers shirt to band and songs to rehearsals. And he's taking some flack for that, but I stand behind him, and I say, Dan, you keep wearing that shirt because they're going to win. So he is representing the Tigers very well, even though they are not doing so great right now. But in the end, in the last round, in the championship battle, God is going to annihilate his opponents. And he might be letting me know when that's going to start. Okay? Yeah. I need you to get out your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 24. Isaiah chapter 24. We're going to look at 24 and 25, so... You'll want to kind of stay with me there. 
In chapter 24, this is how it will look in the final in the final round of the fight between good and evil, and God will annihilate his opponents. It says, Behold, the Lord lays the earth waste, devastates it, distorts its surface, and scatters its inhabitants. And the people will be like the priest, the servant like his master, the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. Everyone will be equal. The destruction will come to all, no matter what your status in life is, no matter how much money you have, everything is the same. So God is going to destroy. It says, the earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers, the world fades and withers, the exalted of the people of the earth fade away. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants. For they transgressed laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. This is what's happened. The earth is polluted by its inhabitants. Um, do you see that today? Yes, we, we, the inhabitants of the earth, have polluted it because we are not keeping the laws that God laid out. We are not worshiping the one true God as a nation. So it's polluted. Therefore, therefore, in verse 6, a curse devours the earth, and those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few are left. Judgment is going to come. God is going to annihilate his opponents. The good news is that few are left. Just as in the days of Noah, when Noah was put on the ark and rescued because he was righteous, there are a few who are left. There are a few who are righteous. There is the remnant, always the remnant, that God is not going to totally destroy mankind. What is happening in verses 6 through 14 is it just gives a picture of how the earth has been partying, the world has been partying, and all of a sudden, the party ends. You know, the party's over. And what does it look like? For them who have been partying, Here's their, their countenance. It says, The new wine mourns, the vine decays, all the merry-hearted sigh. The gaiety of tambourine ceases, the noise of revelers stops. The gaiety of the harp ceases. They do not drink wine with song. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The city of chaos is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none may enter. There is an outcry in the streets concerning the wine, because it's not good anymore. All joy turns to gloom. The gaiety of the earth is banished. Desolation is left in the city, and the gate is battered to ruins. For thus it will be in the midst of the earth among the peoples, as the shaking of an olive tree, as the gleanings when the great harvest is over. Just a few left. The party is over, and all the parties, partiers are not happy. But the righteous are rejoicing. In verse 14, they raise their voices and they shout for joy, and they cry out from the west concerning the majesty of the Lord. Therefore, glorify the Lord in the east, the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the coastlands of the sea. That's us. That's us who are still, who are righteous, who have been faithful. And when God destroys the opponents, we are like, we're shouting for joy. We are glorifying God because he wins. Because finally, he stops the party. He stops all the evilness. And so we, it says rejoice. In Isaiah, 
Isaiah says, but woe to me, woe to me, alas for me, the treacherous deal treacherously and the treacherous deal very treacherously. He sees, see this hasn't happened yet, and Isaiah sees what is going to happen and his heart just breaks. And he's just like, woe to me because this is what it's going to look like. He goes on to explain, terror and pit and snare confront you, O inhabitant of the earth. Then it will be that he who flees the report of disaster will fall into the pit. And he who climbs out of the pit will be caught in the snare. For the windows above are opened and the foundations of the earth shake. The earth is broken asunder. The earth is split through. The earth is shaken violently. The earth reels to and fro like a drunkard. And it totters like a shack. The whole earth is just like a shack, like a drunk person that is so easy to knock over. So when, when God shakes the earth, it's just, it just falls apart because it can't stand. It can't stand against his power. And it will fall and never rise again. So it will happen in that day that the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high, that's Satan and all of his angels, and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together like prisoners in the dungeon and will be confined in prison. And many days, and after many days, they will be punished. Then the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before the elders. That's the victory. That's the victory. When he annihilates the earth and then he reigns on Mount Zion. That's the victory. Now, I wish... What I would love, have loved to do is to set up the gym, which is, it is set up for dinner afterwards, right? And to have all the tables set and to take you in there right now before we go into the next chapter and have you sit at the banquet table that God has prepared. But I couldn't do that, so instead, I've just given you a picture here of a banquet table prepared, ready and waiting for you with the glasses and the crystal and... Um, that's not the fine silver because that was really plastic, I think. No, that was real silverware. It is the fine silver. It's just the plastic plates. But, um, but just to get a picture of going into the banquet and sitting down at this table that God has prepared. Because in chapter 25, we have the victory celebration. We have everything prepared and we have God inviting us all to come in to this victory celebration. It starts out, Aaron, can you put the next slide there? We have the program. As I was studying this chapter, I saw it was just kind of laid out like a real banquet and a celebration and a program. And if you follow along in the chapter, you'll see the components of the program, just like you have your order of service here. So we have this victory celebration laid out in chapter 24. It starts out with this, uh, like a hymn of praise that Joe read as the opening today. It says, O Lord... You are my God, I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. For you have made a city into a heap, a fortified city into a ruin, a palace of strangers is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, a strong people will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. For you have been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, for the breath of the ruthless is like rainstorm against a wall. It just beats against a wall and can't do anything. It's just a loud noise. The opponents, they're just a loud noise. Like heat and drought, 
you subdue the uproar of aliens. Like heat by the shadow of a cloud, the song of the ruthless is silenced. This is the opening song in the banquet. Who's preparing the banquet? Look at verse 6. Who does it say is preparing the banquet? The Lord of hosts. The Lord will prepare a, a lavish banquet. For who? For all the peoples. You see the program? For all the peoples. Where is it going to be held? In Mount Zion. In Mount Zion. See, the last verse in chapter 25, 24 says, The Lord will reign on Mount Zion. And this is where he has the banquet. On Mount Zion. And when is it going to happen? The banquet? In that day. In that day, in that final day, when all is said and done. That's when the banquet is. He has laid out for us the menu. What's on the menu? Aged wine. I don't know if I should say that, right? But there it is. Aged wine. In fact, refined aged wine. It's really the good stuff, you know? It's what you pay the big dollars for. And a bottle of wine, they tell me, you know, can be hundreds of dollars. Um, the really aged wine. So God is not sparing any expense here. He's giving us the good stuff. What kind of uh, meat are we having? The best. What? The best, yeah. Choice. Choice pieces with marrow. Okay? He's giving us the best food and the best drink. That's the menu. The program. The program begins... Um, after the opening song on, in verse 7, it says, and the first thing on the program is that death is swallowed up. Death is swallowed up. On this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. Now think back to Genesis when Eve ate the apple, shared it with her husband. They disobeyed God and sin entered the world. What happened to them? They got kicked out, right? They got kicked out. See, the tree of life was in the garden, wasn't it? And if they didn't get kicked out, they would be able to eat of the tree of life and live. But because of sin, they had to be kicked out. And then God had to make an atonement for sin in another way. So, there, so from that point on, there's been this shroud of death over mankind, right? The wages of sin is death. So there's been this shroud of death over mankind, this veil that has been hovering over us that is death. And God sent his, his son to die for us so that we could live. And in the end, it says, death is what? Swallowed up. It is gone. The veil is removed. That shroud of death that hovers over all nations is removed. And there is no more death. The next item on the program says tears are wiped away. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from who? All faces. All faces. There will be no more crying. No more crying. Only rejoicing. Sadness and sorrow will be gone. God himself will just come and wipe away tears from all faces. It's done. Did you see in the pictures the... The fans, the team, how excited they were about the victory. Were there tears? Not of sorrow. Maybe the, maybe the losing team. But 
but they were so excited. There's no stopping their joy, their excitement. No tears. The next item, reproach removed, Isaiah 25, 8. And he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. How long have his people been under reproach by other people? How long have they been tormented? And how long have people been fighting against not only Israel, but what about us? Have you ever, have you ever been attacked as a Christian? Have you ever had to stand up for what you believe against people who taunt you? Anybody? Yeah. See, you bear the reproach of being a Christian in a world that is wicked. And he says the reproach is going to be removed. No longer will there be anyone that fights against you as a Christian, against Christianity, against God's people. It won't happen anymore. You can put down your weapons and just eat at the banquet. The next item on the program is testimonies. I would love to just open it up right now for testimonies. Because what they did at the banquet, after he says there's no more death, there's no more tears, reproach is removed, then there's a testimony from the people. And look at what they say. Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. See, at the banquet, what is it that matters? How do you get to the banquet? Just your salvation, right? Your ticket into the banquet is that you accepted Christ as your Savior, that he paid the price for the death, for sin. And that's your ticket in. And it really doesn't matter how many points you scored in the game. It's just rejoicing about the fact that I'm here because I'm saved. Rejoice in your salvation. This is the God that we have been waiting for for so long to save us. That's the testimony. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. And we have this video presentation, like we had this little video clip this morning about, you know, into the world. Well, this one is called, I have it called Moab in Manure. Okay, great title, huh? But that's what it says. It says, and Moab will be trodden down in his place. Moab was always an enemy of Israel. From the very beginning, Moab was an enemy of Israel. Moab represents all the nations that fought against Israel all the time throughout history. The video presentation at the Victory Banquet just kind of shows you, like, how did we get here? You know, it's a review of the game. It's like, how, how did we defeat the opponents in order to have the victory celebration? So you just had this little video presentation of Moab being defeated. And what does God say about what he does to Moab? He says, uh, they will be trodden down in his, in his place as straw is trodden down in the water of a manure pile. Ugh, it's not a real pleasant sight, is it? But God tramples the enemy in that manure pile. And he, will, he, Moab, will spread out his hands in the middle of it as swimmers spreads out his hands to swim. Can you just see, imagine yourself in a manure pile. Well, don't try. Don't, it's like, imagine somebody else in there, okay? <laughs> yeah. And you try to get out, and you're trampled down into it, and you're swimming, you know, trying to get out of it. And there's really no way out. It says, 
But the Lord will lay low his pride together with the trickery of his hands. Moab was a very prideful people. And God always knocks down the prideful people. And he puts them in the manure pit. And they're trying to swim out. And I have this picture in my head. Have you ever seen A Christmas Story, the movie? And, and Ralphie, you know, he wants his Red Rider BB gun. And everybody says, you'll shoot your eye out. And his final ploy is to go to Santa Claus and say, I, you know, I want the Red Rider BB gun. And he gets up on Santa's lap and he, he freezes and he can't say it. And so they take him off his lap and they throw him down the slide. And halfway down the slide, he's like, I, I, got, I got to get up there. What am I doing? I got to tell Santa. He climbs back up to tell Santa. And then what happens? Santa puts his foot on his head and just shoves him back down. And he says, you'll shoot your eye out. You know, and I have this picture of as Moab is trying to get up out of this manure pit that God just puts his foot on them you know, and pushes them down and defeats the enemy. Moab in the manure pit. The unassailable fortifications of your walls he will bring down, lay low and cast to the ground, even to the dust. Even to the dust. The banquet closes with a closing song, as we will do today, a closing song. The banquet finishes with the beginning of chapter 26, Verses 1 through 6. In that day, this song, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up walls and ramparts for security. The ones that uh, open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The one that remains faithful. See, who can come into the strong city? The faithful. The one that remains righteous. Open the gates for them. Let them come in. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. For he has brought low those who dwell on high, the unassailable city. He lays it low, he lays it low to the ground, he casts it to the dust. The foot will trample it, the feet of the afflicted, the steps of the helpless. The people who have been trampled will trample the enemy in the end. We win. We win, and we're at the victory banquet. The huge celebration in Kansas. In Kansas, there was a big celebration uh, last Tuesday or Wednesday. And I was looking on the website to get this picture, and it says 25,000 attend the victory celebration. Open the gates. Open the gates. And on their website the day before, they had posted... Memorial Stadium will open at 1.30 for all who wish to be a part of the celebration. And that's what God has done. He has offered the banquet to everyone. Anyone can come in and be a part of the victory celebration. Anyone. The problem is, not everyone will. Not everyone will. The next slide. The banquet is prepared, and the seats are waiting to be filled. It's for us. It's for the righteous. It's for the faithful. You have a name place at that table, at one of those tables. We'll all be sitting there enjoying the banquet. We win. That's good news. That should give you hope in the midst of all of these scandals that are going on around us, all of the politics that are being played, all of the... Hollywood stuff, all of the sports 
discretions, all of the shootings of the school children, all of just the evil and wickedness that we live in, we're going to win. And we're going to have a victory celebration. And I just want you to keep that picture in your head that you will be at this table when God says, the reproach has been removed, the tears are wiped away, death is swallowed up. We win. We win. What we need to also remember is that we need to invite people to the banquet. It's the hugest banquet hall you could ever imagine. There's room for anybody who wants to celebrate. And it's up to us to invite people to the banquet to make sure that all the tables are filled. We win. We're on the winning team. We rejoice. But we need to also be aware that there are thousands out there who still need to be invited to the banquet. So I encourage you, I just encourage you to fill the tables. Just help fill those tables. And be faithful in your walk so that your seat is reserved. And I'll see you at the banquet. I'll see you at the banquet.
Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the wonderful victory that is ours. And that in you, Lord, in Christ, we can stand not as uh, having just squeaked by, not as um, just keeping up, but Lord, as victors, as conquerors. So God, I pray that um, we would live that life of victory now, that Lord, we would have an attitude of uh, victory because uh, you have already told us that we're invited to the banquet, that uh, we will um, stand with you in glory. And so, God, we just give you praise. Lord, might we take that excitement, that confidence in you into the world this week, in our encounters with uh, people in a lost world who, who don't have that sense of victory, who perhaps have a lot of fear about death, even about life. Lord, might they come to see through observing us that uh, we live a life of victory because uh, we already know, Lord, that our eternity is secure in your hands. We thank you for such a, a wonderful promise and more than a promise, a reality. And in that reality, we choose to live this week. For We do this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Gersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.